Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning, and I wonder, have you ever done a puzzle? How many like doing puzzles? You like it. All right. How many of you are like me, and you like doing puzzles until you can't do them anymore because they're frustrating? Uh, growing up, my, my grandfather, every time we'd go to his house, and many of you have this probably a similar story, uh, we would go and spending time at we called them Mama and Daddy Doe. Uh, I've already talked about that in church before. We have great nicknames for our family, Mama, Daddy Doe, Uncle Bubber, Aunt Sissy. That's all you get. That's what you get right there. We'd go to Mama and Daddy Doe's house, and I remember going to Daddy Doe, and we would always just sit and do a puzzle. And if you're like me, then you've been at this spot where you're doing a puzzle, you know the piece fits. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I know this piece goes to this puzzle, but I have no idea where. Like I know it's the same little coloring. It's the same thing that I see on the box. And you, you go to places and if you're, if you're like any kid that does puzzles, what do you do with that puzzle piece? You push it and you shove it and you bend edges and you try to piece it in. And pretty soon you're hitting the table. You, I know this piece fits in somewhere. I mean, it, it goes to this puzzle and sure enough, your grandfather or your dad or your mom, whoever you're doing a puzzle with, you know what they do normally? They start putting all the pieces in where they belong and they take that piece out of your hand <laughs> and they go boop and they put it right in and you're like, that's where I was gonna put it. <laughs> we always have that puzzle piece and we just wonder where it fits in. You know what I found is I found that there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are followers of Jesus that they wonder that, they have that question, that curiosity about the puzzle piece of their life. God, I, God, I know I belong to you. God, I know maybe, maybe even in a church context, God, I know I have a church and I love my church, but God, where do I fit in? God, how do I fit in? God, where's my spot? God, what's my place? God, I, I wanna know this. It's like the little kid that has to know the plans. Those of you parents that have kids, you ever have a kid that's six, seven, eight years old? When they don't know what the plans are, they are going to antagonize you until they know what the plans are. It's like our kids, when they were little, man, they would, Hannah and I would be in the kitchen. We'd be talking about something that night. Hey, we're gonna go to dinner, so and we're gonna go, you know, whatever the plans are. And sure enough, we'd look, and there'd be a kid kind of peering around the corner. And they're like, hey, I heard you're making plans for tonight. Do you need help? No, I think I've got this adulting thing down. I'll figure it out. And they go, okay, well, I'm here. I'm here, I can help. All right, well, we'll let you know. So where do you want to eat? And you hear a little voice, Taco Bell. <laughs> We're not talking. You know, you know why kids do that? Kids do that because they just want to be in the know. They, they want to know what's going on. When you and I come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, here's what we need to understand. 
Paul is the writer. He is writing the book of Corinthians. Now, who is the book of Corinthians to? Well, it's to the believers at the church at Corinth. And we went through a study in this, in this book a number of months ago. Actually, about two years ago, we were in the book of 1 Corinthians. Here's what we need to know about the believers at the church at Corinth. Here, Ready? I'm just going to give it to you in just a couple of words. They were messed up. That's it. The believers at Corinth were messed up. What do you mean? Well, here's, here's what happened. The city of Corinth is a very bad city. It was, um, many people say it was a debauched city. It was just known for, for sin and known for drunkenness and partying and revelings and different Bible words that are used there. And that's what, that's what Corinth was known for. But God in his grace allowed Paul to go there. And Paul, who preached Jesus, he stood before people and he preached that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And he preached before people, hey, you have all of your false gods, but Jesus is the only true God. And there is only one way to God through Jesus Christ. And man, many people believed in Jesus. And Paul stayed there for 18 months and he stayed there and preaching and he established a church. And God would use him in that church in a, in a profound way there in Corinth. But then Paul left. Well, now he's been gone for a few years and he hears, he hears word, he receives word that the church isn't doing too well. As a matter of fact, all the people in the church, they're picking sides, they're fighting, they're, they're not getting along, they're arguing over silly things. And so Paul writes to them a letter. Now that first letter that Paul wrote, we don't have a copy of it. But then Paul wrote to them again a second time, and that's the book that we have called 1 Corinthians, the book of the Bible, 1 Corinthians. That's Paul's second letter to them. And what's he trying to do? Well, if you go and you dissect the, the, the book, you will find that the first six chapters, Paul is correcting them. He's like, hey, you guys are messed up. You're arguing over things you don't need to argue about. And he begins to talk to them about a lot of things. And then from chapter 7 to chapter 15, he begins to answer questions and still correct them. What were they messed up on? Well, they were excusing sin. They were saying that sin wasn't sin. They were arguing about preferences. If you can eat meat that's offered to idols or if you shouldn't eat meat that's offered to idols. They were arguing about um, uh, immorality and, and uh, sensual sins. They were arguing about a lot of these different things. And so Paul writes to them to help with all of these broad topics. But then when you come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to help them in knowing where they fit in. I want you to know where you fit in. I want you to be like that child who knows the plans. I want you to know where the puzzle piece of your life fits into this big picture of what God is doing. And he does it through a topic called spiritual gifts. That's the topic that we're gonna cover. Actually, it's a topic we're gonna cover for the next three weeks. So you're here today and I commend you for that. That's great. But I will say that the next three weeks, they all go together. So you can jump online and watch them. You can come and be in person, 8.30 or 10.30. And we're gonna cover this idea of spiritual gifts. What does it mean to have a spiritual gift? Who has spiritual gifts? What do I do with spiritual gifts? How do I get spiritual gifts? We're gonna answer all of those questions and talk about it. And we're gonna start today with, first, with, with, with 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse number one. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number one. Here's what Paul says. Now concerning. That phrase, now concerning, it means on to the next topic. I'm changing topics. He's been talking about some other things up until chapter 11. Now I'm changing topics. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God writing through Paul to the readers of Corinth, to us as well. I'm changing subjects. We're going to start talking about spiritual gifts, and I want you to be in the know. I want you to know what's going on with spiritual gifts. Now, here's why Paul wrote it, and I'm going to come back to it at the very end of the message. Here's why Paul wanted them to be in the know. The church at Corinth they were a gifted church. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 7, Paul says that the church of Corinth came behind in no gift. What does that mean? They were gifted. They, they, they had a plethora of spiritual gifts. But, and you have to remember this, as we go through the message today, you gotta remember this. The driving um, characteristic in the people of Corinth was pride. It was their pride. So they were proud in their gifts. Some of them were proud in their gifts. Others of them, they felt inferior with their gifts. And we'll talk about how both are led by pride. And so here's what Paul writes to them. Talking about spiritual gifts, I want to write to you about this because I don't want you to be ignorant. You act like you're ignorant. You're walking through like you don't know. So let's set some things straight. Three thoughts we're going to learn today about spiritual gifts, how they work in our life, and what they are. And so let's pray, and then we'll get right into the Word of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute? And just in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you pray and ask God to speak to you? You can pray something simple. Dear God, please speak into my heart today. God, speak into my life. And then make a commitment, God, as you speak to me today, I'm gonna listen to you. Dear Lord, we pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray, Father, that whether people are here in person or online, Lord, or even watching this sermon later, I pray that you'd help each of us to hear from you. I pray that you'd speak to our heart today. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, capture our attention and help us to see what you have for us out of 1 Corinthians 12. I love you, God. Thanks for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Three thoughts today that I want us to understand that Paul gets really pushes across to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse one down through verse number 25. The first thought is this. If you have Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. If you have Jesus Christ, if you've believed upon Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit of God. Notice verse one through three. Now, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Stop there. In verse number two, here's what Paul is trying to get across to them. I want you to remember where you were before you knew Jesus Christ. The phrase he uses, you were Gentiles. That phrase is referencing people who don't know Jesus Christ. 
hey, you were Gentiles. You, you used to have that identity. And what were you? You were carried away to dumb idols. Now, the, the word dumb is in this passage. It's not Paul just flippantly using the word dumb, maybe like we would toss that around. It means to be mute, deaf, emotionless, lifeless. So here's what Paul says. I, I want you to know about spiritual gifts. Here's the first thing you need to know. Remember, remember before you knew Jesus, you were lost and you were carried about to follow after lifeless idols. That's what Paul is saying. Verse three, wherefore, because of this, I give you to understand, I want you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Read that second part again. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. What is Paul referring to? Here's what Paul is helping them understand. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God moves in. You are not people... Now, this is not Paul saying that anybody who says Jesus is Lord... Just those words, Jesus is Lord, that means you're saved. That's not what Paul is getting at. He's helping us, he's laying some context, and we'll see all of this in the coming weeks. We're gonna build all of this together because 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians just flows together. But here's what I just wanna get across this morning in this first thought. Is Paul helping the believer understand this? When you believed on Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God came into your life. Now, why would Paul be wanting them to wrap their minds around that. Well, in our day and in their day, there can be a thinking. Now, here's their day. In their day, many people thought, I will just add Jesus to my belief system. And if I have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of X, Y, and Z, then I'll be okay. Paul helps them understand it's not Jesus plus a bunch of things. It's Jesus alone. In our day, here's what people think. We also have people that think if I have Jesus plus X, Y, and Z, then hopefully I'll be safe. But we also have people that think that Jesus comes to us incrementally. So today I'm saved. Part A of me knows Jesus. And tomorrow part B will know Jesus. And then on... Uh, Monday, Tuesday, part C, will know Jesus incrementally. That's not how it works. No, when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you got all of him. God moved into your life. You have all of Jesus, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is going to cause the believer to honor Jesus Christ. Now that he's in your life, your life is going to point to him, and this is what Paul is saying. Hey, now that you have him, you belong to him, and it's gonna, your life is going to point to him. It reminds me of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 when he says this, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. Hey, if you don't have Jesus in your life, listen, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So the, the principle is this, that if I have Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit. I love how one man says it when he says these words. The question is not, do you have all of the Holy Spirit? The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? You see, every day you already have all of God, but every day you choose what part of you you surrender to God. 
So here's Paul laying the groundwork. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know some things. What do you want us to know, Paul? Well, I want you to know that if you have Jesus Christ, then you also have the Holy Spirit. Second thought, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have a spiritual gift. That's what Paul's gonna go into. If you have a Holy Spirit, then you have, this, then you have or you are given a spiritual gift. Notice the verses. Verse number four down through verse number 11. Now, there are diversities. The word diversity means differences. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one, to one person is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But... But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Uh, what's Paul getting at in this? There's a few key thoughts, but really just look at verse number seven. If you look at verse seven, do you see the phrase when he says the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all? That phrase every man in context, we could read it every believer. Every person who's trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're given a spiritual gift. Now, the question then is, okay, what is a spiritual gift? <laughs> now, I wish I could take the Bible and open it up to one passage, and it says, now, a spiritual gift is defined as. But what we can do is we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and Romans chapter number 12, and we can get a working definition of what a spiritual gift is. So for our context and purpose today, what is a good working definition of spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a divine or supernatural enablement given to us at salvation for the express purpose of glorifying God and serving others employed specifically through his local church. All right, it's a divine or supernatural enablement given to us at salvation for the express purpose of glorifying God and serving others employed specifically through his local church. Now, here's what Paul says about the gifts. Well, stay with me. Are you still with me right now? We're gonna keep going. Here's what Paul says. There are different gifts, but the same God. Okay, verse four, diversities of gifts, different gifts, same God. Verse five, Differences in administration, what does that mean? It means there are different ways that the gifts work. Same Lord. Verse number six, uh, verse number six, it says that there are diversities in operations. Do you see that? Diversities of operations. That word operations is where we get our word energy or use. So there's diversities of effectiveness. But then if you notice at the end of it, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Okay, pastor, great. I get all of it. What's he saying? When you trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life. And when the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life, he brings with him something specific that will help you grow 
help you glorify God and help the believers around you grow and glorify God. Every single person, when you trust Christ as Savior, there is something unique in your life to help you glorify God and encourage other believers. Now, the gifts, there's, if you went through and made a list, there's a list of over 20 gifts that you could find. We've taken them and we've put them into 10, 10 categories. All right, you have, a, you have a little handout. This is teaching, right, real quick. You have a little handout in your bulletin. We're not gonna read through all of these. You can do this later. Next week, we'll talk about it. The week after that, we'll talk about it. The 10 areas, administration or leadership. This is someone ruling. This is someone who's uh, gifted in organizing. Discernment. This is somebody who's gifted uh, with the ability to kind of put a Bible filter on every situation and maybe someone who would speak words of wisdom or words of knowledge. Exhortation. This is somebody who speaks words of encouragement and they, they kind of enjoy encouraging people from the Bible. The gift of giving. People who freely give and love to give. Now, real quick, someone might say, well, I'm not gifted in the gift of exhortation. So I'm not going to be an encouragement to people. That's not in there either. Now we should all want to do these things and be a part of them, but there's specific gift, there's specific ones that are evident in our life. Some would look at this and say, well, I'm not gifted in the gift of giving, so I never need to give. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? So we have to think about all of this in context, the gift of giving, gift of hospitality. What is this? Well, this is somebody who helps people feel welcome in new environments. People help others feel welcome at church. That's what we're talking about specifically. Mercy, my dad was the gift of mercy. I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Because I didn't get punishment sometimes when I should have. Uh, Missions, this is the Bible gift of an evangelist. All right, the Bible talks about an evangelist. This is somebody who loves to see people come to know Christ as Savior. Prophecy, the gift of service and helps, the gift of teaching. Now, the gift of prophecy, we need to talk about this very quickly. And again, we do not have the time to do a 10-week study. It'd be really repetitive. But the gift of prophecy in the Old Testament was the gift of foretelling. What does that mean? Well, they didn't have revelation, revealed truth from God, and so God would speak to a prophet or a preacher that would say, thus saith the Lord, and then they would give a message from God that wasn't pre-recorded somewhere. Okay, well, I believe, and we'll talk about this in just a second, that that gift of prophecy has gone off of the scene, and now we have the gift of prophecy, which is forth-telling. That is taking what we already have, and being able to preach it or apply it into the lives of the hearers. That's what most pastors of churches do now is forth-telling. So these are those gifts. Now you say, Pastor, why are you giving us this? If you'll be here next week and the week after, you'll find out. So you gotta come back. But if you were to take all all the gifts, you can divide them up into three categories. Three categories of spiritual gifts. Number one is speaking gifts. Number two is service gifts. Number three are sign gifts. Speaking gifts are uh, different gifts like words of encouragement, the prophecy and teaching, and uh, maybe a little bit of the discernment. Service gifts are people who serve in hospitality or administration or giving or helping. The sign gifts, and we'll talk more about this in two weeks. The sign gifts are gifts that they were given for a specific time, I'm of the persuasion, the, the uh, Bible belief is called uh, a cessationist. It means that there, we believe that there are certain gifts that have passed off the scene. 
I believe that's the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, and the gift of tongues. Why? If you look in scripture, every time they were used, they were used to validate or authenticate the preaching or the message that was given. Well, now, what do we have to validate or authenticate what we say? The Bible. I don't ever get up and say, you know, I just, uh, this week, I had something, I had this epiphany, and I want to tell you something. It's not new revelation. So every week we get up, we say, let's go to the Bible. Let's look at scripture. And so that's why I believe that those three signs, those three gifts, and we'll talk more about it in two weeks. But here's the simple point on this. Every single believer has the Holy Spirit of God and every believer has been gifted by the Spirit of God. Now you say, well, pastor, I don't even know what my gift is. We'll talk about that. But here's what God does, and this is what Paul is getting at in these verses, verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, is that every single person has a gift from the very same God. And even though your gift may not look like somebody else's gift or may not be the exact same as somebody else's, God, God has a gift in your life. And he uses all, those, all of those gifts to point to Jesus and encourage the church. Now, here's the third and final point that we're gonna talk about. And that's this. If you have a spiritual gift, then you have a place in the body. Okay. Remember the believers at Corinth? They're led by pride. They actually, they put a big emphasis. The, the city of Corinth was known for it. They put a big emphasis on people who could really speak really well, good orators. As a matter of fact, you were deemed a really good orator, really good speaker. If you could go into a public place and win an argument that you actually had no proof, no proof of. If you could go and you could convince somebody, like I'm gonna go to the, this you know, group of people and I'm going to convince you the chairs you are sitting in, they are actually yellow. And if I were to convince you to like think, well, maybe, maybe they are yellow, that was seen as somebody like, if you could take a non-truth and make people think it was truth, that was seen as a high thing in Corinth. And so what did they do? They looked at people who got up and spoke and they thought, wow, that's a really good gift. They can speak really well. And so they, through pride, uplifted gifts that God did not say were better than the others. And here's the point of this thought. If you have a spiritual gift, you have a place in the body. Here's what Paul does. He now creates an illustration. He creates an illustration of a human body, and he likens it to a church. And he basically says this, every single part of the body, every single part of the church matters. Notice it. We'll read through it real quick. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many, they are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be, we be bond or free, and have all been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Now pay attention to what he says. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Now, here's what he does. Paul, remember, the church at Corinth is led by pride. You have to remember that going into this. 
Paul picks out a couple of body parts and he says something about the foot, the hand, the eye, and the ear. Why does he do that? Well, Paul picks out parts that most people would look at and say, eh, that's not the most pretty part. I've never heard somebody say, man, you've got really strong feet. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Now, I have shaken someone's hand. They say, wow, you've got a strong grip. No lady has put a ring. Well, some of you wear rings on your toes, but no one's ever walked up and said, that's just, that's just such a beautiful toe. <laughs> but they will walk up and say, wow, what a beautiful ring on your hand. He compares eyes to ears. What if the ear said, well, since I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. What is he saying? Well, it's the eyes, right? You walk up to somebody and say, wow, you have beautiful eyes. I've never had someone walk up and say, I love the lobe. That's a good looking lobe. No one's ever said that. What's Paul doing? Listen, you have to remember the believers at Corinth, they're living out their gifts with pride. They're saying, well, I'm better because I get up and teach. Well, I'm better because I have the gift of tongues. Well, I'm better because I, and they're doing all of this. Paul is just getting back to this base root of, listen, you are all important. The ear is important. The eye is important. The hand is important. The foot is important. Let's keep reading. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. Okay, pause, we have to understand that. The body parts that we think are less honorable, upon those we bestow more honor. What does that mean? Well, today I am wearing shoes. I have bestowed upon my ugly feet <laughs> shoes. I'm a shoe person. I like shoes. I'm the, I'm the guy that will be in the coffee shop and I'll be like, hey, you do have really nice shoes. <laughs> now, if they're wearing flip-flops, I usually don't say that. But the shoe is bestowed upon that part that is less honorable. Paul's saying, hey, don't you know that in life, like, you'll, you'll put something to decorate, you'll put an item to decorate that which is less honorable. Now watch what he says. For our comely parts have no need, watch, but God hath tempered the body together. Having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. It's a very interesting passage. Here's what he's saying. God has placed the body together and every single individual is important. Like, here's what I love about God. Think about this. Think about the ministry of Jesus. Was Jesus ever starstruck? Like, he was around some really important people. He was around kings. He was around the high priests. He was around the rich. You know what Jesus never did? Hey, can I get your autograph? Jesus didn't do that. No, you wanna know who Jesus took note of? 
Jesus took note of the leper on the side of the street that everybody overlooked. Jesus took notice as he was there with the, uh, with the apostles, as Jesus was there at the collection and when the offering was going on and the, the scribes and Pharisees came and they threw in their big gifts. Jesus saw that and he said to the disciples, yeah, they threw in a big gift, but did you notice the lady that came and threw the two pennies in? Did you notice her? Man, she had some good faith. You know what? The church at Corinth, and listen, the church at Corinth, when they were looking at their spiritual gifts, when they were looking at how they fit into the church, they were like, ooh, I'm, I'm really important because I sing. I'm really important because I give. I'm really important because I, I'm in front of people. And here's what Paul writes to them by the inspiration of God. You're no more important than anybody else. You're all gifted and you're all apart. You see, they thought since they were gifted that they were really close to God, but giftedness is not godliness. And he helps them understand that, hey, just because you have a gift doesn't mean that you're godly. But here's what we do with giftedness. And, <clears throat> and I'll give you this and we'll, we'll wrap up. There's two, um, there's two gutters on the side of the road. There's the gutter of inferiority. In the church, here's what we can do. Listen, every single person, if you're a part of Moses Lake Baptist, I wanna speak to you. If you're a part of another church in the community, I wanna speak to you. Because here's what we can do. We can say this, well, I don't, I don't get up like, like pastor does to preach. I, I'm not a greeter. I'm not really hospitable. I don't really, people don't see me. Well, I'm not very good with kids. I'm not very good with organization. And, you, and we have this inferiority that says, I'm no good. But then on the opposite end, we have people who live with superiority. This group, inferior people, they think this, no one would ever notice if I'm gone. Like if I don't show up, no one, no, no one would even care. That's what inferior thinks. Superior, they think, man, this place would fall apart without me. I mean, I tell you what, like literally, they better be glad I'm here because it, it couldn't happen. Without me, just couldn't happen. Inferior, superior. Let me ask you a question. Which one has pride? Both. Why? Superior is saying, look at me, I'm the best. Inferior is saying, I don't matter, I'm no good, I can't. Who's at the center of both conversations? I am. That's where the church at Corinth was. They were there and they were saying, some of them were saying, well, God's just not gonna use me because I don't have this gift. And some of them were, were down in this inferior spot. Others were the superior ones saying, wow, look at me. And here's what Paul writes to them. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. And I love the quote, the fact that where there's, where there's carnality in the church, everyone loses. When Paul wrote to them about the gifts, and again, we're gonna do a whole study. We're gonna look at a lot of these things. When Paul writes to them about the gifts, he's helping them understand you matter. And if you know Christ as your savior, then you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life, then God has placed within you purpose. 
your purpose within his church to glorify him and to use that spiritual gift to encourage and to help people around you. So what's the challenge? Step out of inferiority. Step out of superiority. And just step in the middle to say, God, I choose to serve. God, I choose to yield. I don't care about the attention. I don't care about the credit. God, I don't care. I just want to be involved. And I would pray today that every one of us would have a thought like this in our heart. God, help me. Help me not to be ignorant of my gifting. God, you have, if I know you as my savior, God, you've gifted me. And so help me to serve with humility. Help me to not get caught up in any form of pride, including inferiority or superiority. God, instead, help me to diligently serve you and yield to you. Why? Because the puzzle piece of your life, it matters to God. And God has fit it perfectly where he wants it. So if you're here today in the inferior spot, will you hear the message from God that you belong? You matter. God has gifted you just like he would gift the person who gets up. Listen, the pastor, I am no more important than anybody else. As a matter of fact, there are weeks when I'm gone that things go better. And it always blows my mind. You know what? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't blow my mind. It really doesn't. Because it's his church. If you're in the inferior spot, ask God to help you today. God, help me to see I'm not inferior, that you've placed me here. If you're in the superior spot, if you're over here thinking, man, God, I'm doing so good. God, I... Today, maybe you just need to humble your heart and say, God, I wanna recognize that I'm no, no more important than anybody else. But for every one of us, could we end up here today where we just recognize, God, I realize that you saved me and that the Holy Spirit lives within me. And with your Holy Spirit comes the ability and opportunity to serve you and to use my life and my gift, the ultimate purpose of all of it, is to use what God has placed in your life to point to him. So let me ask you that question. How is your life pointing to God right now? How are you using your giftedness and your abilities? And how are you using what God has placed in your life? How are you using it to point to him? Because if you're not, you're missing the point. You're, you're in that ignorant category. And I'm not trying to be mean. On the days when Dennis chooses not to use my life for God, I'm in the ignorant category. I don't wanna be in the ignorant category. I wanna recognize God has me here for purpose. So am I using my life to point to him? Am I using my giftedness to point to him?